Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. This is the patron-exclusive podcast about the one thing I know something about. And today's episode is going to be out in April. I'm recording it on a Saturday night. I just... I will just preface this right now. I just ordered a Peacock subscription. Uh, apparently, I'm getting WWE Network. Uh, I just kind of wanted it because I just wanted to watch some Fast Furious films. But that's besides the point. Today's episode is one of the hot new singing competition shows. And I'm, of course, talking about The Voice. Uh, the Voice is one of the biggest singing competition shows there is. And it's one of my favorites. Now, I normally with these things, I would have like a big prefix and an introduction sequence. But I, I think the problem is it, it's really tough to have one when it comes to the voice. Uh, the voice is, by and large, a, just a, another singing talent show. Uh, but what I love about the voice, and I just want to get straight into why I like it, is it's a dual game show. It's a singing competition show where they're looking for the best singer, like an American Idol, like a Star Search, like a uh, X Factor. But the catch is that the judges aren't judges. They're coaches. So they are not there to go, you suck, get out of here. They're there to basically lift people up. Everything is positive, not negative, which is really tough in the world of game shows, especially a reality competition show that debuted right around 2010. So there is the game of the best competition, but there's also within the coaches a mini game as well. Because whoever has whoever's the coach of the best singer wins the season, which is what makes this a, a dueling game show. Because there is so many layers to this game that is why I like it so much. That yes, I am getting delightful singers singing covers of karaoke tracks, but I'm also getting song like. The, the thought process of different coaches now obviously it's a reality show so it's very very painfully rehearsed i i will admit that but it's uh, the gameplay format on how it's picked or who's not picked or how does something happen is clearly decided and it is is clearly in the coach's hands i don't think they they kind of force somebody to be on someone's team or they force somebody to lose. I think that th that is post-production storytelling. Uh, so uh, let me just go through the history of The Voice. The Voice, like many game shows, uh, is an import from the Netherlands. I think it was The Voice of Holland was the very first. So much like Deal or No Deal or One Versus 100 or all of those game show formats, it was a hit somewhere else, and then they brought it to America in the hope it's a hit here. Luckily, it worked. Why? Because they got Mark Burnett to be a part of it. That's right. This is a Mark Burnett MGM production, but they kind of pushed that under the rug uh, since uh, 2016 for some reason. Shh. Um... What makes the voice stand out is that uh, the prize is a recording contract in uh, a cash prize of I think a hundred thousand or a quarter million. It's not a million dollar contract by any means. They never really specify now what the price is for the winner of the voice. Probably because Spotify exists now, so a recording contract is kind of ultimately meaningless. I think it's just the exposure of it all. But um, what what I have figured is that the that the format is really really good. So, uh it is played in in three basic rounds. There is auditions, the knockouts, and then the final rounds, which is which is kind of where the game gets good. So, there are four chairs. Their backs are against the stage so they can't see who the person is. That person, regardless of how old they are, what they look like, will begin to sing a song to the judges. If they like them enough to want them on their team, they slam on a game show buzzer. The chair revolves and they can see the rest of the performance. They get to see who they have brought onto their team. Sight unseen. 
which makes this stand out because on something like American Idol, uh, obviously looks play a huge role in it. They kind of want whoever looks ugly to sing badly so you can heckle them off the stage. With X Factor, that's also a same thing, but they have a criteria of like men's, women's, groups. And here, that's not a factor. You can you could be a you can have a very feminine voice but look very masculine. You could be a very tall giant and have an angelic voice. You could have a disability, it does not matter. There are tons of talented singers that show up on that stage to perform. And sight unseen, if they like it, they push the button. What I like about this show is the four coaches are always a top performer in their respective field. So, for instance, uh, this season, there's Nick Jonas. There's John Legend. There is uh, Kelly Clarkson. And the recurring one, which is Blake Sheldon. Now, obviously, Adam Levine used to be a big part of it. show. I really am expecting him to return eventually. But uh, Christina Aguilera showed up. Shakira, Usher, Gwen Stefani. I think that's how Gwen Stefani and Blake Sheldon uh, met. Uh, so, so that's what, how their relationship came to be. Pharrell uh, was one. Miley Cyrus. Um, I'm trying to think. Jennifer Hudson. Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. I think that's all of them. I think that's all of them. Oh, and CeeLo Green. And CeeLo was in the first season. Because CeeLo, Christina, Adam, and Blake. That was season one, two, and three. Uh, later seasons, it's Blake and then like a rotating cast. Like Gwen Stefani or Kelly Clarkson, uh, John Legend. Because they want to have someone from each genre. So they have a, a, a they have a pop star a pop singer, like a Christina, like a Gwen Stefani, like a Miley. You have an R&B legend. So that's your John Legend. That is your CeeLo Green. I think that's what they wanted Usher to be because that's their area of expertise. Country is, of course, Blake Sheldon. You can't really think country without Blake Sheldon, especially modern pop country. Um, and then, of course, you would have a rock, quote-unquote rock, performer i put that in air quotes because is maroon 5 technically rock you make the call uh, i mean but nick jonas for instance i don't think he's necessarily rock he's just a hunky good looking guy um but yeah that's that's kind of how it goes uh so each one of these four coaches uh comes from a genre of pop music so it's pop singing uh it's, it's rock, it's R&B, or country. Those are the four in America. Obviously, with each genre, like in the UK, there's different, like folk, for instance. Uh, or uh, or what they have there, they have um, they have Will I Am, uh, and then Sir, Sir Tom Jones. You know, what's new, pussycat? Uh, I'll admit, as a fan of The Voice, because this is one of my favorite singing shows, this is one of those... Shows I like to play in the background because I just love the singing and the music and the presentation. And yes, I've watched the Australian version and I've watched the UK version. So uh, in Australia, I'm trying to draw a blank. I should do UK first. Um, I know, I think UK, Will I Am, and Tom Jones, What's New Pussycat. And I think they also had uh, Boy George, uh, they had Jesse J. Uh, the last one I saw, Ollie Murs, was one, which is funny because he was to be on another singing show, uh, and Megan Trainer, and I think Jennifer Hudson also overlapped because she was on our version and she went to the UK, and for some reason, like the UK also watches the US one, but it's really tough for us to get the UK version, uh, mostly because maybe we have to figure out who Kylie Minogue is. I think Rita Ora was also a judge, but I'm not. I mean, I, I'm drawing a blank if that is. Um, but they also follow the same philosophy of like a, a song, a gospel, and because those are the four genres that come within the UK performance of pop. In Australia, I think that's where the Good Charlotte person was. Australia had Good Charlotte guy, um, Seal, because I remember Seal being a part of the voice. 
Uh, and I, I think the Jonas Brothers was there. One of the, I, I don't think it was Nick. I think it was Joe, Joe Jonas. Uh, I should really have just wikied the answer <laughs> for this. Um, in Ricky Martin, Ricky Martin, because I think uh, that was one of the seasons early on was was uh, Joel, uh, Seal, Ricky, and then someone else. Uh, and then I think Keith Urban is, I think, back, because I saw promotionals. So I'm guessing they're going to have Keith Urban there to be like their Blake Sheldon, uh, which is actually a really cool grab to for, for the show. And that's kind of what I really enjoy about The Voice. It's These are actually really talented musicians uh, performing on the show. Obviously, they're going to get a really big payday because that's modern game shows. Um, but what I love is just how they... F- it, it, it's never really one that hurts their image. It, it's always a positive image for each of the coaches and it's a positive image for whoever is performing. Where even if in the in the blind audition rounds, where they have to, where the contestants hit the buzzer and, and they flip the chair, uh, it's all positive. Where even if no one turns their chair over after the performance, yes, they're quote unquote eliminated from the show. But it's never like a, you just weren't good enough. It it's always a come back. You can you can return. This is this is not to stop. You can keep going. I believe in you. And then, like, if if the show continues two, three years down the line, odds are that person will return. They will get the flip of the chair. And then you told me, and they actually have a storyline with that in mind. And I love that part of the voice. So if one coach turns their chair and the performance ends, they're forced to be on that team. However, and this is what makes the show fun, if multiple two three or all four chairs are turned over the the power doesn't go to the coaches it now goes to the contestant the singer and it becomes basically shark tank you don't want that person you want me i know you you are a gospel singer i'm an expert in gospel singing pick me and we'll go all the way to the to the winner's circle or then you'll hear someone go, well, I'm a country person. You're from Texas. I'm from Texas. It makes sense. There's a Texas connection here. Gospel isn't just gospel. There's a bit of country in there. And I'm pretty sure if you pick me, we can get a little bit more country in there. But you have a unique voice. And it doesn't matter what genre you choose. It really is right or not. You can perfect that. And if you pick me, we can perfect that. And you can win. And now it becomes a battle. And that's what I love. Also, there is a twist now called the block button where a coach can then push one time like a lifeline on a game show, a block on each of the coaches, forcing them to not pick that player. However, in doing so, it turns into a flip of the chair for that coach. So if you see a a coach get blocked and then one chair turns, oh, does that become fun? Because odds are you now know who blocked them and it becomes a very silly situation. Of course, in doing so, that does kind of ruin the whole uh, pageantry of someone getting all four chairs because now that singer can never get all four chairs, get the entirety of the set and the crew. No, no, no. They, it, it's now you're forced to have three instead of four. And that to me is also a big issue with, with that game format. However... In the game within the game of who has the best singer, that is a really cool format point. Uh, and that's, to me, the fun of this. It's an audition like an audition. However, there is no prejudgment of any of the performers. And when they sing, it becomes this uh, this uh, wonderful experience for the, for the performer, for the singers, and now everyone's kind of becoming a character of themselves. I think the fun part is Blake Sheldon staying on every season and just him being like, look, I've been here all the time. I know voices. Look at these people. They're Hollywood. I'm a country guy. You don't need Hollywood. Get out of Hollywood swamp. And just having fun with the character <laughs> because now the character is, he's just shitting on Hollywood and all of the music industry for, for being too commercialized. And then every one of them going, aren't you like married to Gwen Stefani? Don't you live in, in Beverly Hills now? Like what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's just great. 
Um, so to me, that is that first part of the show is just like the best part of the voice. If, if anything else, even if you don't want to watch the voice throughout, please watch the blind auditions. I, I think it's a really great format point. And it's something that you don't see anywhere else. It's like part Shark Tank with the pick me, not them. It's part, of course, singing competition show. But then there is some sort of like mask singer vibe of it before mask singer where you're hearing a great voice and you're pushing the button, but you don't know who that person is. Of course, because this is reality television and storytelling and every game show has to do this. Of course, if someone gets picked, they will have a background story and they will probably be told, uh, hey, uh, what would you like to be chosen by? How, what would you most like to pick? So then you would have to write a story like, when I was a kid, I saw Kelly Clarkson vote for Kelly Clarkson, and I want to be on reality. I want to be on a singing show and win. So I really would pick Kelly because I think uh, she wouldn't help me out on this show. Or it'll be something like, oh, I went to college, and I got a John Legend album, and his music uh, got me through a horrible time in my life, a death, a loss of a loved one. Because you know how reality TV is. And, of course, lo and behold, John Legend. Just push the button. You want to be on Team John Legend? Come on. Oh, wow. That's a coincidence. Wow. Never saw it coming. What a feel-good story. <laughs> Let's do that 12 more times. Um, but it is uh, really good. Because when there is no chair, it always is like a surprise that no one gets picked. And it it also is never really seen as a bad thing it's it's kind of like a it's it it it, it kind of brings the room down like a oh no <laughs> because it's as rare as a four seater uh so honestly i i say if you're going to watch the voice pick any version australia uk america and just watch an audition round because it is just an enjoyable time to see if anyone gets a flip of the chair. Uh, of course, it's it's played kind of like a draft, so each chair can only get a maximum amount of people, I think eight or six. It depends on the season. And then it goes into the next round, which is the knockout round. In the knockout round, which is the big twist of the show, each of the team members has to go head-to-head -head with one another. So each of of Team Blake has to pick two people to fight. Then uh, Team Gwen has to pick two to fight. Adam Levine has to pick two to fight, etc. And it's a, basically a duel where they both have to sing, I think, the same song. Uh, and then it becomes a judge void, where the judge, where the coaches have to pick who 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 stays and i think it's the coach themselves who has to make that call so whoever the coach picks to carry on uh stays through in the competition but there's a twist it used to be whoever lost is off the show and goodbye however there's now one lifeline called the steel each coach uh has i think two steals and if at any point they see someone on another team that they really want and they want to protect him from the competition because they still see something in them. They can slap that button and use that safety and steal them from the game and bring them back. And that is all that's kind of like a golden buzzer because sometimes you'll hear two great singers, and obviously the coach is sweating it out like, I, I don't want to pick, I, I just don't want to pick because clearly everyone's like, These are two equally good people, who are you going to choose? Uh, and then of course. I have to make the call, pick, flip of a coin, A. Steal B. Oh, that's great. So now you're automatically on Team Gwen or Team Blake or Team whatever. And it becomes the second part of the game. And and the knockout round, this set slightly changes. So it's the same stage, but now they put up these little fake LED lights to make it look like a ring rope, like a head-to-head -head boxing ring, which I think is very novel and silly but not necessary. Uh, and that's what I think uh, works about the knockout rounds. Of course, this rinses and repeats until everyone's down to, I believe, uh, their final eight. 
So if you're safe, you're going through to the final, blah, 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 blah. And then it goes into the rounds. So then it's the of 11, it becomes a certain amount, then a certain amount, and then a certain amount. And there is each coach gets one safety. So you can save one player until the end. Leading to the final round where it becomes whoever is the winner of the voice wins. Sometimes it's by audience vote. Sometimes it's by listens on Spotify. Sometimes it's by a weird tiered system of you get 10 votes. The first votes for 10, then 9, then 8, then 7. Um, it, it, it fluctuates per season. So for that, I can't really explain in, in, duro detail, in, in thorough detail uh, how it goes. Uh, others, they do the classic idol uh, call this number, vote, and your votes will be at the end of the show, and that will determine who wins. Um, but that's that's kind of the fun part about The Voice is it really becomes somewhat of like a singing show mixed with like a, a, a fantasy football game. Uh, and I think the NBC <laughs> knew this because uh, uh, whoever the producers are are really genius. They've come up with like a fantasy voice coach team where you can like win a like a contest if your five singers that you put on your team make it through to the end or win the show. Uh, I think the price is like five thousand. It's it's very low cash amount, um, but it is something that definitely feels like right for the show because I can't see that for Idol. I can't see that for X Factor. But something about the voice and something about the coaches and this is a team and this is a team game and I have to put you two up and this sucks. That's what I like about the voice. And then the use of these power tools, these these different play options, the blocks, the steals, the saves. That's what interests me in the show because it used to be just straightforward. You're out, you're out, you're out, you're out, and in your left standing, you win. Um, but having it be like a contest within a contest uh, makes it very intriguing because then sometimes if you are a, a galaxy brain aficionado of reality television... You can just follow along one or two of your favorite singers, see what team they're on, and then follow that story like it's professional wrestling. Oh, what if they're gone? What if he knocks them out? Well, if they catch him, will someone steal them? Oh, no, my favorite just got eliminated. Oh, great, so-and-so just take them. So they're still in the competition. Oh, no, they're out in the final, in the second-to-last round. But luckily, they got the save from the coach. Okay, so they're in the final round. Oh, they made first place. They won the show. That's interesting. That's the that's the voice. That's what makes it a game show. Is it a trivia show? No. Is there like anything that makes it particular? No. It it's basically they put they gamified a singing competition show and made it about the coaches equal to the singers. Because if it was just focused entirely on the singers, sometimes they're dull, sometimes they're boring. You never know. However, by making it equal to the coaches and then having pre-recorded skits and stuff. Uh, it, it adds to the gameplay, and I do enjoy that. And and to me, that's why I enjoy The Voice. Uh, so kudos to The Voice. I think it won several Emmy Awards for Best Reality Singing Show. If not, it would be because it, it, MGM, who, who owns that, that format, does amazingly well with their formats these days. Uh, however... And now it's time for me to royally tear this one a new asshole. You know, I love the voice. I think Blake Sheldon's great. I love all of the, the, the stars on the show. But you know what pisses me off? NBC. Now, I like NBC. Bing, bong, bing. Saturday Night Live, the comedy institution. And if it's not them, it's Universal. I, I, I'm a Universal Studios kid. I love Universal Studios a lot. But there's so much unnecessary synergy with the show that it just pains me sometimes. Like, yes, you have Blake Sheldon. Yes, you have uh, Adam Levine. So it, it always becomes like, oh, well, guess who's going to be at the July 4th of July por the fireworks presentation? Oh, you got CeeLo Green. What a get. Oh, you got Blake Sheldon? No way. Whoa, you got Gwen Stefani. Whoa, hey, it's the Macy's Parade. Who's going to be performing? Shakira. No way. 
Because obviously, and this is what annoys me the most, because then they have to say, and you can catch them on The Voice, Monday nights at 8 on NBC. Because that's all it is to them. It's just a promotional vehicle. If it's not that, it's a uh, someone has referenced The Voice on a sitcom or on late night television and, and try to bring it as a part of the NBC family. It's so tacky and so cheap. And one of my big pet peeves is the Universal Studio Tour. If it's one thing I dislike about the Studio Tour, it's the synergy. Uh, it's it's fun when you start the Studio Tour and you know you hear the, all right, here's Jimmy Fallon. Hey, guys, it's me, Jimmy Fallon. Welcome to Universal Studios. Uh, then you go through the uh, 100 years of Universal Films, and then the first thing you see is stage 12 um because on the studio tour they go that's stage 12 that's the largest sound stage on the universal lot it's currently home to nbc's the voice and here's carson daly to tell us more hey guys it's me carson daly this is stage 12 where we film the voice thanks carson uh and that's also the synergy carson daly is the host now Carson Daly is a pretty good host for The Voice because obviously he has a long history of music shows, TRL being the most popular because of the 90s. But uh, it, it also feels like, oh, well, we also got him because of Last Call of Carson Daly. You guys remember that late night talk show? You do? Do you? I don't know. Um, but there's your synergy again. It's we got Carson Daly because Last Call. Uh, the thing I didn't research, which is why this is really a worthless podcast, is did that show up before or after The Voice? Uh, I'm going to be guessing it came after Last Call of Carson Daly because TRL happened. He left to do Last Call and then came the, uh, the weird podcast. Oh, well. So that leads me to... Uh, <clears throat> talk about synergy i mean that's my big frustration with a lot of game shows these days is synergy abc game shows with celebrities oh we're getting the stars of holy moly we're getting um leslie jones because supermarket sweep these are all things that are on celebrity wheel of fortune uh i i I just to me i i think a celebrity edition needs to feel special and most of the time it doesn't now for the voice it's the synergy is mostly just in the form of let's just get the coaches from the voice to do stuff on our nbc shows and i i mean like they are musicians so it's like i can't fully go this sucks ah screw because what else do you want adam levine to do he's going to perform the maroon five songs and then leave what do you want blake sheldon to do he's a country music singer he's going to be maybe a guy on Saturday Night Live oh whoa what a get Blake Sheldon the guy from The Voice Um, but eh, it's fine it's the the the, it's just one of those things where I think the show would be better without all of the NBC sludge all over it from time to time because we are like because all this means is we are three steps away from them ripping off the American Isle experience at Disney World and having a voice experience at a theme park. And I don't want that. Please. Please don't do that. <clears throat> so, in conclusion, because that's all we can really talk about here, is the um, the voice. And wow, the light, it just turned to three o'clock. Okay, it we just daylight savings. We're now jumped ahead into the future, so now it's late night. Uh, hi. So yeah, the, the 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 main thing I want to get across here for the voice, yes, the celebrity coaches are fantastic. The gameplay on this with the coaches trying to pick who the best singer is, also a great ploy. The talent on the show is fantastic. Whoever is the casting director for the voice does a great job. Uh, they don't always have to go for the sad backstories because technically they don't really need to. But it does help for some of the stories. 
But I want to close up with one of my favorite things about The Voice. One, Bill Sindler, the host of Blister from G4, is the warm-up guy, and I like Bill Sindler. What's up, Bill? Billy Sins. Check it out. What up? Thumbs up. Um, but also, the thing I want to really address here is uh, something that's been on my mind, and that was COVID. Yes, we're hopefully seeing the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to COVID. I really, really wish that's the case. However, you know, when COVID started, was in the middle of when The Voice was doing the live shows. And that was weird because no one knew what to do, no audiences and protocol. So it was really this rough waters where it was just they're going to be sitting in their chairs and the performers are going to sing and nothing felt right i i mean nothing felt like it, it it felt like you were watching a zoom call uh game show and that's what american idol was and cross your fingers that doesn't happen again if there's another breakout of covid because we relax the rules hey we're fine everyone has the vaccine Never mind. But uh, when that was the case, it was really a scary situation. However, what I thought was really nice was when they brought the show, they tried to bring the show back in a safe way. So when the performers were performing for the live shows, it was no longer, uh, let's just do it the house. It was back on the stage like it's a real show. Uh, and they were really ahead of the curve. It, they had the whole performance like it was, and they made sure all the coaches were distant. They just had no audience members, just the players. The music was no longer live. They just kind of had an overlaid computerized thing, and everything stood the same. Then they did another season, and another season after that, and they decided to do the virtual wall. And... For an audience to do a virtual wall, it's always a hit or miss. Now, for some shows, what they're doing is like that weird VR thing that you kind of see like the holographic Tupac, but with audience members, and it just looks like a really bad Nintendo 3DS game. But here, it just it just looks great. It, it's just this really nice like video wall. Video wall. And each of the squares is like the Zoom call of the person watching, kind of like the WWE Thunderdome. But instead of it being just the squares and overlay the squares, each person has like their own voice kind of border thing that makes it look like unique, like they're your, they're part of the show as well. And just that one little novelty makes the show stand out. And because it's a video wall and all these people are there and they're clapping... And it's live. What I like is the behind-the-scenes aspect. They still have Bill. Because one of the things that was worrying me about COVID is, will there be warm-up people? Because there's no need for audiences. You're bringing people back to shows, but no need for warm-up guys. Warm-up guys are comedians, and they need a job. And this is a real job in Hollywood. It's really necessary when you consider sitcoms, game shows, and the like. And... It's it's one of those things where it's like, well, is that a job? Well, they, And apparently, Bill is still working there as a warm-up guy. So I'm kind of also double applaud the voice team for including Bill still as a warm-up guy and still letting him do his, hey, guys, welcome to the voice. I'm Bill. Is this your first time here? Give me a hi. Woo. All right. We'll be seeing your lucky faces on the back wall of this show. Bye, bye, bye. And all of this stuff that you normally see on The Voice. But with a Zoom call. So, in a way, it's it's not fully back to the way it used to be. But it's a really good alternative. It's the closest we can get to feeling like the show has returned. Yes, you're not sitting in a really air-conditioned room, chilling your ass off, sitting in a black chair, and then clapping at the moment when someone performs. But you are still seeing the performances. You are still cheering people on. You are still technically seeing a taping of the show. Nothing has changed for that matter. 
And because it's a video wall, and yes, there's audience, whoever is in charge of the visual team also does very smart because now you have an extra layer of graphics package you can use. So in addition to when someone pushes the button and it's an I choose you, well, now there's an excuse for when someone uses a block or when someone uses a save or when someone chooses a team member. Now you can change the audience wall to half the graphics say Team Blake. And oh, yeah, Team Blake, woo, yay. And that that's, to me, an important part that I don't think a lot of people have been noticing uh, about the voice. Throughout this whole pandemic, throughout how scared everyone is and how dour everything is, and yes, you can't, social distancing is bad, and yes, there's not a lot of hugs and handshakes and high fives on television. But when there is that level of like, we thought this through enough, we know that the contestants can't hug John Legend or they can't high five Kelly Clarkson. So we're going to have like bobbleheads or a jacket or John Legend's going to perform a solo duet with the player because that's what they want. It becomes something more meaningful and also adds a new layer of silliness to the show. So now it's like a one-of-a-kind prop, kind of like the crystal in the crystal maze uh, that is actually kind of silly and fun and novel that I don't see in American game shows. And in a way, uh, also humanizes the show as well. It becomes aware COVID is real. But at the same time, it doesn't make you sad that it's real and dangerous and sad. It's a, it's a yes, it's bad, but we're working through this, and we hope you can join us along for the ride. Other game shows, they just throw away the audience, and it becomes boring-ass television like Card Sharks. Other shows... They have the cutaway audience, and it just looks fake as hell, and that's your Cherry's Wild. But for The Voice, by having a real audience, even though it's not physically there, it's a virtual audience, but they're still cheering, they're still clapping, they're still applauding, there's still those one notes of, hey, you did it, or, oh, no, pick Blake. Those kind of deal-or-no-deal audience feedbacks is still present on the voice makes it still feel real still feel like there is like nothing's wrong it just feels like a pushback but we can get through it and that to me is something i find very meaningful and I, I, I'm sorry to say this. The the rest of the voice episode is basically going to be a pandemic audience chat-a-thon. It's, it's been a worrying thing for me for the last year. Since the pandemic, since staying here, it, it's been a real case of, like, how do we persevere? How do we get through this? You Like, Press Your Luck is the last great audience game show. They announced this season three. So how are they going to handle Press Your Luck? Are they going to do, like, video walls with the Zoom calls and have, like, an audience game? Are they uh, are they going to have uh, no audience and just going to be lights and you're just going to overlay a virtual audience saying, Press Your Luck? I don't know. Something like the, like the Price is Right is making the best out of a bad situation. There is no audience, so it's just the four players, and then they stay somewhat distant to Drew, but they still play the games. It still feels awkward, but the contestants are trying their best, and that's kind of fun. But let's make a deal. They're trying to have it both ways. They have the group of audience members in the costumes playing the games, but then they have a virtual audience, kind of like what they're doing on The Voice, but they're used for one deal on the show and the uh, the quickie deals at the end of the show. That it's um, it's really tough. And it's, it's one of those questions I have in the world of game shows is how do you handle an audience in the middle of COVID? What shows can work? What shows cannot work? Uh, and it becomes an issue that 
is one of those major layers of a game show not a lot of people understand, and that is audience involvement and in parentheses studio. When it comes to a game show, one of my favorite parts is its interactivity. Rather, it's an audience participation or one where you're watching at home and you're screaming at your at your couch going, hey, that's the answer. No, that's what you should pick. Oh, why did you pick that? No. And one of the easiest ways to gauge that is with a present studio audience. With something like let's make a deal and the price is right, the audience is the contestants. By throwing that out the window and going with casting, you lose some of that, but you also somewhat can refine what it means to be a contestant on these shows. Uh, and there's and they do pick some really good people with really good stories to be contestants on these shows. And to that, I welcome it. However, by losing that audience engagement, a lot of game shows lose their luster. It is going to be it's very awkward for deal or no deal without an audience. It's very awkward to do uh, any sort of risk-reward sticker-twist situation without an audience because those are supposed to be critical moments on the show. And if the audience is screaming, take the money, go on, take the money, go on one more time, one more, but you lose that, then if you're doing a new show, will the audience at home be saying that stuff? Or if you're going to force it because of shows like Cherry's Wild, what's the case to have that be the moment? Is it really that critical of a situation? Is that really necessary? Can you do sticker twist without an audience? And that becomes a, a very polarizing view. That's a very production. That's a 301-401 dilemma. When can the audience be well? When does the post-production audience need to sweeten to include audience going, that's that's a dilemma. I see it on things like The Chase. Uh, ABC's The Chase, for instance, has no audience. It's just the three contestants and the chaser and then the chase lounge, haha. But there is no audience clapping and going, ooh. However, when they announce the offers, you do hear in the background, <laughs> or in the final chase, when there's a correct answer, you hear an audience go, ooh. But they're not there presently. Is that necessary? Does that add to the game? Does that add drama to the game? I don't know. But it's one of those things where you go, if it's noticeable, does the audience care? Does it stick out? If it sticks out, I know for a fact that really tunes people out. People like a game show when they know it seems real. Now, I know it's hard to say because game shows aren't really real. It's a, it's, it's, it's the, the people are real. The gameplay is real. No one's told to do a certain thing other than maybe like a villain ring from a teleprompter every once in a while for, for a heckle. Uh, same with the coaches on The Voice. Hey, can you say this one line that we ran for you against Gwen Stefani? Okay. Because uh, that's that's about it. Um, it, it it's, it's one of those stories of when is the audience involvement necessary? Ellen's Game of Games got rid of their audience for season four. And in doing so, it sped the game up. However, it really did lose a bit of the gameplay because in the set design of Ellen's Game of Games, it is played in an oval, but it's clear that the imaginary fourfold where the cameras are behind them is the audience. So without having that audience, it just feels like you're losing half the set. Uh, so what they decided to do was they just made it look like a disco lounge and there's like different chairs and, and dance moves and basically switch it has like lights and like turntables and and like musical instruments it doesn't add to the show but they have so much space that's gone wasted on there it almost feels like what they should have done was remade the set so it's clear that they've already presented all four games laid out 
leaving nowhere go and then the uh, the hot hands or whatever. They haven't utilized their set design in the middle of a pandemic to utilize the full effect of their set. Because if there's no audience, you're wasting your set already, so you might as well redesign it. Uh, at least with Let's Make a Deal and The Price is Right, they did redesign it a bit. They still kept the curtains and cash, but they made little pods. Uh, for The Price is Right, there's little distance areas. Everything's safe and sanitized. Wheel of Fortune, there is not really an audience. Same with Jeopardy. It's all distant crew members. However, it's kind of weird when you want... But then again, this is something I've noticed for the longest time is Wheel of Fortune and the intro going, Wheel of Fortune. Clearly, not. that's now a pre-recorded Wheel of Fortune, but how long has that been a pre-recorded Wheel of Fortune? Because that sounds exactly as it was back in the 90s and 2000s. So are they just repurposing Wheel of Fortune? Because they can't have an audience nowadays. Was the audience really a big involvement? Because now you can just pipe in an applause when someone hits $5,000. There's never really a cutaway to the audience. And I don't think they did that with the modern version with the uh, with the spinner hands, the, little, the white thingies, as Pat Sajak calls it. Jeopardy, there's no need. I mean, I know Jeopardy taping is very dull. You just kind of sat there and clap when there's a daily double. You go woo if someone makes a true daily double and gets it right but other than that it's we'll take a commercial break we'll be right back yay well that's the end of jeopardy when we come back double jeopardy yay well that concludes double jeopardy our final jeopardy category tonight is bup we'll get your wagers and you'll have this commercial break yay and that's it for jeopardy tonight so long yay that that's about it that's that's roughly the amount of times you applaud on Jeopardy. So for audience involvement on a game show, it's kind of, it's a quandary. It's a real moral quandary when it comes to game shows. And a lot of game shows like American Idol are just trying their best to drop an audience and still keep the storylines because they feel if there's a storyline, well, that will, that will save the show. Something like Hell's Kitchen, there's no need, but these were all pre-recorded post, but pre-pandemic, so, so it becomes now a factor of can you do the piped-in audience and make it sound good? Can sweetening the audio make things pure? I notice these things, and sometimes they irk me. Other times, I can I use it as kind of like a. Oh, the producers use this because when the audience eventually shows up, this is what they plan on having. For instance, Game of Talents, uh, Wayne Brady's new game show. They have the crappy VR audience in the in the top, and they do have the piped in, yeah, whatever, and ooh, it's, it's that, it's that. However, what I like about that is that they're clearly using that just to kind of like I, the audience, like, yeah, we know this is a little creepy, but please work with us on this. Pretend this is an audience and this is what they really believe. Please, when the pandemic is over and there's a season two or three, there could be real people and this show can be so much better because then there'll be a real crowd being oohed and awed by the talents. Um, that's the way I like it. Uh, it's it's kind of, But for me, I think currently at the moment... When it comes to safety and I don't fear for someone's life, I would say The Voice has done the best job because of that virtual crowd, because they layered it up so it feels like, hey, each of these people have like basically zoomed in so they can see the show be filmed. And they're naturally applauding when something's good and they're naturally telling people, pick so-and-so and go with this. And yeah, you did it. That is something that I really loved about The Voice. And watching the new season, the new uh, Blind Auditions, that is what made me want to do The Voice episode. Yes, CeeLo Green, blah, 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 one of the fun ones. He brought a parrot once. We can have a whole like five minutes talking about the time CeeLo Green bought a fucking bird to The Voice. 
Blake Sheldon. We could talk about the entire story arc of his whole career. Miranda Lambert, the divorce of Miranda Lambert, Gwen Stefani showing up, dating Gwen Stefani, marrying Gwen Stefani, having a child with Gwen Stefani. We could talk about that, too, because that's also a heartwarming story from a game show. There's not a lot of love stories you can say from a game show. So for me, if someone ever comes up and says, hey, does it, has anyone ever found love on a game show? I mean, you can easily say, you know, you can pick The Bachelor Bachelorette. You can say The Dating Game. But I think the one that should be the most blinking red eye obvious Blake Sheldon, Gwen Stefani on The Voice, because it's a game show, and they found love on that game show when they were really just a talent management, and they just agreed to do this because they have an album to plug. It's the virtual audience on that show, and it's the way that they sweeten, and the production, and how everyone is safe, and they got Carson Daly to stay distant, but still be Carson Daly. He's he's a way I will say this on record. Carson Daly is a better host of a singing competition show than Ryan Seacrest. I will say that again. Carson Daly, a better host than Ryan Seacrest. Seacrest is like the everyone says is the gold standard for hosting. I don't see that. It depends on the show and what he can work with. He's a really—he really could be the new Dick Clark, though. I can definitely see that. But he's like to me. I just kind of think, oh, the Kardashian guy, oh, the production guy, oh, the guy who kind of manipulated Hollywood and create a whole uh, Hollywood storyline based on his production company. I don't see the host with Dick Clark Productions. I see so you think you can dance. I see the American Music Awards. I see bigger opportunities to bring the gap between uh, audiences and music and percussion and dancing and entertainment in general. And The Voice kind of has that. Of all the NBC talent shows that they have, from America's Got Talent to Last Comic Standing to... um, What's that one? Uh, World of Dance. The voice is like one of my favorites because you go into it and you already have the star power with the coaches. You have really talented, never before heard singers who are getting their shot at fame and they're singing their heart out. And even if they don't end up getting record deals or anything, just hearing them perform and getting that exposure and hopefully a prize, like I'm saying, like maybe they get a cash stipend is enough for for everyone to kind of in have like a little bit of a of a of, of a departure from the real world. And I think that is something that I kind of like about the voice. It's their ability to I hate to say world build because there really isn't a world build the world building is basically kind of just the knockout round and the set design and the big V hand, which they kind of got away. Maybe because you can't do the hand singling the V because yes, it means peace forward, but in the UK, if you flip it, it means fuck off. So I, I, maybe that's why. Um, but one thing that is just a pleasure about the voice is that that virtual audience it is their presentation even in the middle of a pandemic with other shows the distances between the contestants very painfully obvious see american idol for their judges seats it's very distant for the voice if the chairs are still distant enough then nothing feels different they just can't, the the stage is a little distant, so now they can't really jump the stage to hug somebody. But they can, however, wave, and there's a little prop. The virtual audience, yes, it surrounds the set now, that it gives some sort of ambience that, yes, we know we're in a pandemic. However, look at all of these people who have agreed to show up for the singing show for you in applause, 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 and they're really there to cheer you on. Because a lot of those shows, especially in daytime talk, it feels very, 
we just pre-recorded this guy clapping for a day and we're just going to move him from like square four to square 12 and hope you don't notice uh the, at least with the voice it feels natural everything still feels like it's meant to be it feels like a futuristic singing show it feels like something out of black mirror the hundred million merits episode um but it in a way that's why i really like the voice it's the production is always two or three steps ahead of the future and there's always going to be someone trying to copycat them or come up with like a dating show like The Choice on Fox. Oh, God, I realize I have to talk about that show eventually. Sorry, Cat Dealey, you've made a bad game show. Um, but something about that rotating chair, about the coaches, about how it's all these different genres of music working together. And in the midst of a pandemic, when everything seems dab and dour and uncertain and scary here's a show that got back up figured out how you can best utilize the show keep everybody safe and still keep the format the same as it always was is what makes it a genius game show and why it belongs in one of those hall of fames it is the 2010s game show it is the celebrity focused game show that everyone sees because there's a celebrity on the marquee, and yeah, there's contestants, but who cares? You're there for the celebrity. That is the case. However, the, it has that aspiration because ultimately you get to duet with these people, and that is like a dream for a lot of singers is, hey, you can perform with Blake Sheldon. You can perform with Christina Aguilera, and they rarely do that on Idol. They rarely do that on any other singing show because for a lot of those, here's the secret for a lot of those singing shows, those are because they want to uh, save their voice because <laughs> these are singers and musicians. They don't want to sing constantly. So they're saving their voice for when they do their record. Maybe they have a tour coming up. So maybe save your voice and then you can bust out the vocals. And if they do, it's always once in a while, it's like once or twice a season, as usually one on the finale and one in the big second to last episode. For The Voice, they do that, but it's like three or four times. And usually it's like, here's something from the new album because you got to do the promotion. But then near the end, it's, well, here's someone singing with uh, Adam Levine. Here's someone singing with Nick Jonas. And that's kind of cool the way that they produce this is really smart and that's that's kind of where my mind is it's a production it feels like a production nightmare if you can see how many things need to be juggled to make it work but when it's all said and done they nail it nine times out of ten it lands and it's wonderful and that's what makes this show stand out above all the others. And it's one of the best talent shows ever devised. Because even if you don't care about music, you still have that mini game of who do you root for? Because they have a diverse cast based on genres and backgrounds and their styles. That also feels a mini bit like Shark Tank in a way that I love. And that's why I want to end this on that positive note. The Voice, it's a singing show, yes. But you need to see it as more than the singing show that they're pre presenting. you got to present it with the in-game of which coach wins, which I think Blake has won the most episodes. So, hey, Blake, good job. And then you have to focus it on the bigger picture, the production issues. How do you coordinate? How do you get the casting how do you safely get the cast to show up? How do you safely save the coaches? Oh, every coach stays in a hotel and they're distant and they can't leave. So the PAs have to do DoorDash orders and bring them food. All of that stuff in the middle of a pandemic. That, that is why I love the show. In the midst of a scary situation, they have pulled through and made a show 
that's as good as it is now as it was three, four, five years ago. And they still keep the talent and they still keep people motivated and they still have that positive vibe. That's what I love about The Voice. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of Game Shows, I suppose. It did get a bit heavy, but I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Uh, I forgot to sing, so um, I'm going to uh, sing my song right now. Um, When I wake up. Well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. And if I get drunk, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I haver, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's havering to you. But I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more Just to be the man who walks a thousand miles to fall down at your door When I'm working, yes I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who's working hard for you And when the money comes in for the work I do I'll pass almost every penny on to you When I come home, oh I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who comes back home to you. And if I grow old, well I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who's growing old with you. But I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more Just to be the man who walked a thousand miles to fall down at your door. La 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 da, la 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 da, la 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 When I'm lonely, well I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who's lonely without you. And when I'm dreaming. Well, I know I'm gonna dream, I'm gonna dream about the time when I'm with you. When I go out, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. When I come home, yes, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who comes back home with you. I'm gonna be the man who's coming home with you. But I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more Just to be the man who walks a thousand miles Falls out at your door La 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 da, la 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 da, la 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 da, la 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 da, la 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 la. But I would walk five hundred miles, and I would walk five hundred more. Just be the man who walks a thousand miles and fall down at your door. No, n- nobody turned their chair around. <sighs> I guess I'll never be a talented singer. I thought that was going to be a fun finale, but um, oh well. Well, that's going to do it for us here tonight here on Game Shows, I suppose. Thank you so much for all your help. Uh, once again, thank you for being a Patreon. And if you got this uh, legally, tell your friends about the show on patreon.com slash Haas. And until next time, good night and big smooch. Mwah!